setting sun. Be seated, please. was lost in sin but Jesus took me in and then a little light from heaven filled my soul oh it bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above and just a little tongue with Jesus made me whole oh now let us have a little tongue with and let us tell them all about Oh, he will hear our faintness, and he will answer by it. Now when you feel a little prayer for yearning as your heart unto heaven is turned, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Amen. Well, I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and that you're always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And uh, we want to let you know that we believe you've come to the right place this morning because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, I want to say thank you real quick to Brother Ed for leading us in worship this morning and uh, for Brother Mark for leading us in that wonderful communion meditation. We appreciate uh, you. And I also can't fail to mention to our visitors this morning, we said it about three times, but here's the fourth time. We have a fellowship luncheon prepared after the service this morning. I think uh, Juanita was back there cooking spaghetti, and I saw some meatballs in the pot. Yes, I snuck in there and looked uh, and, and saw some meatballs there. So we want you to stay and to eat with us and to fellowship with us because I think you'll have a great time. And when you're back there, make sure you say thank you uh, to the Lizaraga family for all their hard work. And uh, the second announcement is this. Um, if you have been looking at the, the slides on the screen and looking at the bulletin this morning, you might see a little bit of discrepancy concerning Vacation Bible School. So uh, we're actually pushing the date back a week, okay? I emailed many of you who are volunteers and helping out. So we're pushing back a week to the, to the first week in, uh, in August. So uh, just want to make you aware of that and let you know that. And, and many of you have already responded to the email that I sent out, so you guys know uh, what's going on there. So... Um, real quick, I, I also have to say this. Thank you to Ed for uh, filling in for me last week as I was out uh, celebrating uh, my 35th. Can you believe how old I am? 35th. Uh, <laughs> 35th birthday. And uh, that weekend I had, I had, oh, well, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, I'm very much a Cala Georgian. You know what that is, right? I'm from, I was born in California, but raised in Georgia. Uh, so I got to do some catfishing uh, during, during my birthday celebration, so had a, uh, had a good time there. Uh, so thank you, Ed. I think you did a phenomenal job uh, with your sermon last week, really encouraging as I watched online. And for Brother Skeeter, uh, we always appreciate you. You're the sixth man of the year. We thank you when you're able to come off the bench and lead singing uh, for us. So we really appreciate you always, always, always. About two weeks ago, I was at the Pepperdine Bible Lectures, and I was there uh, giving a lecture entitled Adaptability. 
uh, and it was on how, how can we learn to be a more adaptable in the 21st century culture that we live in in order to share the gospel uh, with, with others, right? So I was there, and my grandfather got to come out, and he helped present the lecture with me. And whenever I have my grandpa around, I, I really enjoy it because I get to pick his brain and ask him questions. And one of the questions that I asked my grandfather was, uh, who is 83 years old, by the way, is, hey, Grandpa, what does the future of the church look like? In other words, what will the church look like 20 years from now? What is your ideas? What are your thoughts on that? And my grandfather said this, and it stuck with me. He said, if our church is going to survive over the next 20 years, we must be in the business of equipping our young people to be the next church leaders. And it got me thinking, well, well, how well are we doing this at our church? Uh, so we're going to spend some time talking about that this morning. Now, if you've done any traveling up and down the state of California, and if you visited any churches within our fellowship, you see a reoccurring theme, don't you, right? You walk into these churches, and first of all, you don't see too many people. And mainly when you go and visit these churches, you see seniors that are faithfully attending these churches, and you begin to ask yourself the question, where are all the young people? Where are all the young people? families. And, and throughout our fellowship, we see an alarming absence of young people. And typically, our churches are more senior in nature. And many people my age and family units my age no longer are members of, of a church family. And I bet some of you here this morning have grown children who are no longer members of a church. Maybe some of your grown children aren't, aren't even Christians anymore. Or it could be that uh, um, they, they grew away from their faith or they, they made a conscious decision to turn away from their faith as they got older and they gave up their church attendance. So, so the question is, why? Why does this happen? Why is that? Um, it could be that as they got older, they just made a decision just to, just to turn away, and that was completely on them. Or it could be that our churches have done a poor job equipping the next generation to be leaders. That, that could be one of them. Or it, it could be that maybe your children, your grown children, feel like our fellowship is no longer speaking to the needs of their cultural experience. So if we're going to survive the next 20 years as a church, we have to pay very special and close attention to our young people. So the title of the message this morning is Chosen Generation. Chosen Generations. If you have a copy of your Bibles this morning, in particular their Old Testaments, I want you to open up to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 12 of Judges chapter 2. So go ahead and open up your Bibles and follow along with us um, as we read this text together. Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. The Bible says here, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land. 
each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the life of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And then skip down to verse number 10. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Now, you know the story of Joshua, don't you? We've read this before. We understand this account. I want to shed some light on, on this character, Joshua, and, and talk about some history and, and things that you probably already know. What do we know about Joshua? We know that Joshua and Caleb were men of extraordinary faith, weren't they? Remember that Joshua was the right hand uh, of Moses. And during the time of the transition from Egypt into the wilderness, we know that Moses was grooming Joshua to be the next leader of the Israelites upon taking possession of the promised land. And you notice that the Israelites were faithful to God during the time of Joshua. However, because of our human condition, we all grow old and our bodies begin to give out. And the scripture says here that Joshua died at the age of 110 years old. And by the way, in your bulletins this morning, you'll have a sermon outline. If you'd like, you can pull that outline out and fill out some of these principles here in red. Joshua was 110 years old when he passed away. And we notice as soon as the few faithful people of the Lord passed away, the next generation forgot all about the Lord. And guess what? It got me thinking a little bit about our situation today. I know that there are some members here today who remember the good old glory days of the church, don't you? You remember the days where the church building was packed and you actually had to sit in the foyer because there was no room in the auditorium. You remember those days, right? You remember the days when baptisms were happening almost every day during the week, right? People were coming to Christ in droves. You remember the days of the, of the tent meetings and the gospel meetings that happened every quarter at your church, right? You remember the days where they had the, uh, the, the, the Sunday evening singings and it seemed like everybody in the region came out and fellowship together, right? You remember those days. You remember those days when, when, when mission trips were planned once a year and many people would sign up and go and be a part of these mission trips. There are many of you here today that remember those glory good old days when the church was growing and the church was booming and people were here and church attendance was, was almost mandatory in people's minds, right? They didn't miss. It was a part of the DNA of the culture. However, I want to make you or help you understand that there is a culture, there's another culture amongst us today that hasn't seen any of that. that. That doesn't know what that's about. You see, my generation, what's a tent meeting? I have no idea what a tent meeting is. Never seen one before. And I think growing up, I've been a part of maybe three gospel meetings, right? And the Sunday evening uh, singing service, I don't know what that's about. There's a generation of us that don't 
know what the church was like in its glory days. It doesn't, make, it doesn't resonate with us. Um, there's a generation today that sees empty church buildings, mainly with seniors in attendance. There's a generation today who doesn't know what it's like to grow up in a strong youth group. There's a generation today that doesn't know what it's like to be trained to preach a sermonette or to lead singing in the church or to serve on the communion table. There's a generation here today that has never participated in a mission trip. And there's a generation today that sees a church when they come to worship singing those same old songs that don't make sense to them. Like, here I raise my Ebenezer. What is an Ebenezer? I don't know. So after the service, somebody come help me out. Here I raise my Ebenezer. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't make sense. But we keep doing the same old thing because we remember the glory days. You know, and just like the children of Israel, I don't know if the Lord is pleased when our children or our young people turn away from the Lord. I don't know if he's pleased with that. They turn away from the Lord and forget about who he is and what he's done. I don't know if our Lord is pleased with that. And if you notice, let me just vent for a little bit, okay? I'm on my soapbox. I'm preaching. I'm allowed to preach. I'm a preacher, okay? Churches are closing their doors left and right at an alarming rate. And we notice that many young people today are becoming spiritual and not religious, right? And you've heard that terminology before. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I don't really attend church, but I love the Lord. And I read my Bible and I pray. Um, but here's what I'm, I'm proud to say. I'm proud to say this this morning. Our church is a, somewhat of an anomaly within our fellowship, right? If you come to our church on any given Sunday morning and, and we're doing an activity with, with our children, you'll see kids everywhere here. And we're an anomaly within our fellowship. You know that, right? And I think it speaks to the, the servant leaders that we have here at this church and our young families that find it so important for their kids to be connected to the fellowship, right? So we're an anomaly. If you visit other churches within our fellowship, you won't see that many kids. But I will say this. If we're not careful... Our precious young ones might follow the path of the Israelites and forget about the Lord over time because we have neglected them, if we're not careful. We're a generation away from losing them. So we have to be very, very careful. And what I want to say uh, this morning as we kind of transition is this. Every member of the body of Christ must recognize the significant responsibility we have to pass along godly heritage to the next generation. It's such a high calling. It's not only the role of the parents, but of every one of us who is a member of the church. It's all of our responsibility to pass our faith on to the next generation. You know, Mary and I were talking last night, and I said, you know, there's, there's a couple of key things that, as a church, we really have to focus on and make sure we do right. One is we got to make sure we're loving the Lord with all of our hearts, right? We've got to make sure we're loving our neighbor. We've got to make sure we preach what's in the Bible. We've got to make sure we're about mission work. And you know, another one of those key things is we've got to make sure we're looking after the faith of our young ones. That's vitally important, vitally important. And the question is, are, are, are we doing that? And I, and I hope we are. So this generation grew up, and they forgot about the Lord, and they started doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Next passage of Scripture is found in Deuteronomy 
uh, and I'm going to get there in a minute, but I want to give you a couple of facts. So if you're looking at your outline this morning, bear with me. I've got, I've got some facts this morning on, on generational legacy. And I want to give you some knowledge on this. When it comes to de- generational legacy within the church, I want to give you a couple, of, a couple of facts for your learning this morning, okay? And, and these are the three facts that I want you to know this morning on, on generational legacy. Generational legacy can break down quickly, right? Just go to any of our churches within our fellowship and go visit and you'll see. Generational legacy can break down really quickly, right? Point number two is this. Generational legacy begins at home. Underline that. that, That's key. It begins at home, right? And then here's one that's really encouraging to me. Point number three. Generational legacy can turn around because God's in control and he knows what he's doing, okay? Uh, So follow along with me. Generational legacy can break down quickly. What does that mean? Well, you know, when we think about Joshua, we think about the life of Joshua. I don't know if you do this, but I do this. When I think about Joshua, I think about this guy who was super successful, right? He loved the Lord, and he did some phenomenal things. He was courageous. He, he, he went and took over after Moses, and the people were faithfully serving him. You remember uh, what he says in his book, right? Here's what I'm going to do. For me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. So we think of this successful mighty man of God. However, in my opinion, he failed in one crucial area. This is just my opinion. And that area was he wasn't able to pass down his faith to the next generation. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands in a moment, okay? So you guys just, just bear with me. I'm not going to have you stand up, but I want you to do this. If you're of the age of 40 and below and you have a young family I want you to raise your hand. Will you, will you raise your hand this morning? Raise your hand. Very good. Go ahead and put them down. Put them down. Here's a question, and this is going to sound really bad. This is going to sound really bad, so I'm just, but bear with me. Why are you a member of the Church of Christ? Uh-oh. Ooh. Why? Why? Well, I'm going to tell you why, because this is why I am. I'm going to tell you why. Because your parents instilled a love of Christ in you from a very young age. So as I look around and I know you guys, your parents said, hey, you need to love the Lord and you need to serve him faithfully. And then in addition to that, your parents really strove and worked hard to teach you to remain in the church of your upbringing because there's value there. That's why you're here at this church, and you're here because of the doctrinal teachings. You think they're sound, and you're correct. That's why you're here. But it can be a challenge for young families when you look at other churches and you see everything that's going on, right? So that's why I asked the question, why are you here? Why are you a member of this church? Uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, Mary and I were out of ministry, not out of ministry, out of pulpit ministry, preaching on Sunday mornings uh, about... Four years ago, we moved down to Southern California, and I was working for Loyola Marymount University as a campus uh, pastor or campus minister. So this was the first time in my life where I had the opportunity to go visit other churches, right? So we got to shoot around and visit other churches and try to figure out where we wanted to place membership. So we visited a church every Sunday, a different church every Sunday for about three months it seemed like it right and we would go and check it out and we would visit and and we went to different churches outside of our denominational heritage our fellowship and we visited and, and and what I found was alarming what I found was that the grass 
isn't necessarily greener on the other side. That's what I learned. It still has to be mowed. It still has to be watered. It still has to be cut. It's not greener on the other side. That's probably why you're still here. I also learned this, that if you find another church, you might find a greater sense of community and more young families with children, right? You might find that elsewhere. But guess what? You still have to serve. You see, God doesn't want you to just be a fan and a church attender. He wants you to be a follower. You know, good deeds, write this down, aren't done by walking into a church. Good deeds are done by walking outside of a church and serving others. So wherever you find yourself, you still have to serve. So if we're not careful, what I want you to know is that generational legacy can break down really quickly. So we have to make sure we're mentoring and raising and teaching our young people to remain strong in faith, to stay married to the church, to stay married to, to Christ first and foremost, right? Point number two is this, generational legacy begins, begins at home. If you didn't know, the family life in America is changing, right? I could do another thing. I can ask you guys to raise your hands uh, for that same demographic that I, I just mentioned and ask how many of you are, are parents are both working outside of the home. And probably all of us here would say both of us are. So life is changing. The American family life is changing today. Both parents have to work, especially if you live down in this region, amen, where rent is about $3,200 for a two-bedroom, right? You can't make it down here. Both parents have to work. And the kids still have to eat, right? I mean, so you've, you've got to make things happen. And typically what happens is since mom and dad both are working, they have to put their kids in these after-school programs because they're still in work or they're stuck in traffic on the 405. So what happens is they take the kids and put them in these after-school programs. And then after that, they're in sports programs. Why? Because mom and dad typically aren't there because they have to work to keep a roof over their heads, right? So mom and dad aren't as available as they once were. I grew up where, where uh, I was spoiled because my mama stayed home, right? And she was always there. But today, many of our kids that are growing up don't know what that's like, right? So here's what parents do. They seek out churches with youth programs that mimic Disneyland with spiritual curriculum, right? Can I preach this morning? That's what you do. If you have a young family, they look around and say, hey, what church has the best program so that I could put my kids into that, right? And then we'll decide to place membership at that church. That's what we're going to do. So that's what our parents are doing today. They're looking for the best church programs. Parents look for the best youth and best teen programs. And you know what my opinion on this is, right? And, and just bear with me, parents. First, I think that shows a lack of spiritual training by the parents, Right? And I say that in love, and I say that in kindness, um, and here's why I say it. You see, I, I, I don't need a youth minister to raise my children. Bear, bear with me. I don't need a youth minister to teach my children about the Lord. Why? Because I'm teaching them at home every single day. I'm studying the Bible with them. I'm teaching them how to pray. I'm teaching them what it means to be a faithful Christ follower. So I don't need a youth minister to do that, Right? Having a youth minister is a perk for me, but they're learning at home what it means to be a faithful disciple. You see, uh, I don't know, many of you may have grown up like I did. I grew up in small churches, and we didn't have youth ministry programs. 
right? So when I was nine years old, I had to sit on the front pew and listen to the sermon the entire time. So you guys got it good. You guys got lucky some of the young people. It would be rough because the, 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 the preacher was monotone a lot of times, right? But that's how I grew up. We didn't have a youth minister. I was there with mom and dad the entire time. And guess what? I don't feel like I missed out on anything in my upbringing. I feel like actually it was a blessing to me because I felt like I was a part of the big church, right? So, uh, and here's what I will say. So uh, let me change gears. Secondly, I'll say this. I don't think the cultural uh, norms of the American family is changing anytime soon, right? So what does that mean then? What that means is the church better keep up. That's, that's what it means. Both parents are working, and they're still going to be looking for the best youth and young adults or young people's program. So guess what? If that's not changing anytime soon, the church better keep up. Or we'll be looking around and there'll be five of us in here. The church better keep up. So we better strive to have the best youth programs in the area if we want our children to thrive. We've got to strive for that. That should be a goal. And real quick, I want to say this. I want to say thank you to all the ladies here this morning that serve in the nursery every single Sunday. I think they are the unsung heroes of our church. They really are. So the coordinators back there and the ladies that work back there, we don't say it enough, thank you for what you do, taking care of those babies back there. I also want to say thank you to those ladies who stepped up and organized our children's curriculum and who have been teaching. That tells me that you have a vested interest in the development of our young people. Thank you so much for what you're doing. It's vitally important. I want to say thank you to, uh, to Chuck, who is back there every single Sunday teaching our junior high students, elder within the church. And I've got to say thank you to the Wagners for the work that they do, working with our teens every single Sunday morning. They understand the value of mentoring our young people. And I hope everybody in the church would have that same mentality. But a lot of times when it comes to young people, we go, ooh, I'm out of touch. I might be a little old or senior. I can't relate to them. So it'd be best if I didn't didn't get myself involved with that. We'll talk about that in a minute. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I also got to say this. Thank you to everyone who signed up for Vacation Bible School to serve, and thank you for everybody who helps out with LTC. That is uh, an important mission of the church. And then lastly, generational legacy can be turned around, and I think this is so exciting. Throughout the pages of the Bible, we see God turning around entire generations of, of people. You see it all the time. Just think about Nineveh. You think about some of these where God just went in and he completely turned around everything. And it tells me that God always raises up leaders who are fed up with the way things are going. And guess what? Leaders don't always fit the same different demographic. He uses various people with various skill sets at various ages to accomplish his purposes. You see, the reason why I'm a preacher today is not because of some hip 20-something youth minister. That's not why I'm a preacher today. The reason I'm a preacher today is because of my grandfather who was 50 years older than me. I didn't have the young hip youth minister that wore the Vans and the Chucks. I had grandpa who wore Johnston Murphy wingtips and the double-breasted suit, amen, right? And I learned so much about my faith through him, right? So sometimes I want to let you know that the people who make the greatest impact in the lives of young people are seniors and not the cool, hip, young couple. So I want you to always consider that. 
Because oftentimes what seniors will say, well, I'm, I'm so out of touch that I can't really mentor. That's an excuse. That's what that is. Sorry, I know that's, that's kind of hard. That's an excuse. Right? <laughs> you like that, right? That was an excuse. You need to get down and get in the lives of these young people. I'm just thinking about all the people that raised us, brother and sister Shaw, who are 85 years old. I consider them grandparents in the faith, right? So you can make a profound impact on young people, seniors, if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty, right? Lastly, I want to end with this. I got one more verse after this, but I think this verse is so profound. These commandments that I give you today... Um, are to be on your hearts, right? Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk alongside the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Powerful text. When I was young, we had to memorize scripture. And the scripture that I memorized when I was young is still the same scripture that I know today. There's something about teaching our children. And then lastly, for our young people this morning, if you're a youth, if you're a teenager, I want you to pay attention to this verse, okay? This is your key verse today. This is a sermon for you. Here you go. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers. For who? The believers. Wow, wait a minute. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So... On your outline, I've got a great sermon, because I know that's what you're thinking. Now what, right? A great sermon, now what? So, Jason, you, you talked about this and talked about all this stuff. What do, you, what do you want me to do with all this material and information today? You're talking about young people, talking about the importance of mentoring, equipping them. What do you want me to do with this information? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to speak to our young people. So, young people, listen up. Young people, listen up. Here's what I want you to do with this sermon. I want you to be an example to your friends this week. Your faith and your leadership in Christ is vitally important amongst your peer groups outside of the church and inside of the church. You see, young people, there's something that I know about you. What I know about you is that you want to fit in culturally, don't you? Right? So if everybody wears this type of clothes, you want to wear that type of clothes, don't you? If everybody talks this way or says this word, lit, I know what that means, right? You say that word, right? If everybody is doing this on social media, you want to do that. Why? Because you don't want to be considered an outcast and a weirdo. You want to stay in tune with the times, right? And you don't want to get made fun of. Because here's what I know about young people. They can be terrible, can't they? They'll talk about everything about you. I used to get it all the time, right? They'll talk about you, talk about you, and hurt your feelings. And all you want to do is fit in and don't feel like an outcast, right? But here's what I do know. The Lord wants you to be a spiritual leader amongst your peers. He wants you to be a leader. Instead of being a follower, you be a leader. If everybody's moving in this direction and it's the wrong direction, you go in the opposite direction. Don't be ashamed of your faith. Wear it as a badge of honor. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of your parents. Be proud of how you were brought up. Be proud that you love the Lord and let people know that. Don't be afraid of that. God wants you to be a spiritual leader. Don't ever be a follower. Because here's the, here's the trend. Here's, here's what people are saying, young people, right? Here, here's what today is all about. I've diagnosed it thoroughly, okay? okay? Everybody wants you to be unique, right? I'm being unique. I'm just being myself. I'm just being myself, right? 
So, so the theme for today is to be unique, right? But get this, in order to be unique, everybody's trying to be unique, and then everybody tries to be like the unique person, right? It's weird. So if you just be yourself, that's unique, and then people start noticing that, right? So be yourself. Here's something else. So that's for young people. For seniors, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to encourage a young person. Doesn't matter who they are. Maybe it can be a grandchild, a child, maybe somebody you see in the grocery store, maybe you see in passing, maybe one of them kids that are on those rolly things with them shoes they have or on a skateboard riding by, right? Encourage a young person this week. I was at my previous church and there were some young people there that uh, had tattoos, right? And used to wear short sleeve shirts to church. And there was this girl in particular, uh, her name was Stephanie, and she had a nose ring that went like in here, right? So I don't know what those are called, and I'm not trying to poke fun, but uh, these young people loved the Lord and they were coming to church, right? So they came one Sunday, and I remember there was this senior. She must have been 75. That's young, senior. That's young, right? <laughs> right? There, there was a senior who saw this young person come into the church, and, and I was standing right there. She said, why do you dress like that? got all those tattoos on you need to cover that up and you look like a bull with that thing in your nose right I thought it was kind of funny I didn't laugh though I didn't laugh I just said man and this young person never came to church ever again because of rather feeling encouraged for coming to church she was discouraged right and I'm gonna tell you the reason why I'm a preacher today is because of seniors who encouraged me you know when I was 12 years old or 13 and I was giving my first sermons I would shake I'd have 20 pages of notes and I would start reading and the sermon would last three minutes right and I remember people at church used to come up and say that was an amazing sermon they were lying right that was amazing you're gonna be a phenomenal preacher one day and after I gave my sermon I would say you know what I probably can do this preaching thing right I think I could get it and I had some people in the church that would always encourage me. You're a good example. You keep doing it. Keep up the good work. And that, that is what molded me and shaped me. So seniors, what I want you to do is you find a young person this week and you say something to them that is just going to truly encourage them and change their lives. I'm so proud of you. Keep up the good work. Not, why are you doing this? What's going on with this? I don't understand this. Back in my day, we didn't do that. No, no, no. Keep it to yourself. And then lastly, here you go. I want to close with this, and this is for our parents this morning. This is for our parents. Parents, what I want you to do, if you haven't done it already, is sign up for a Snapchat account. Amen? Right? I'm getting a couple of claps. If, if you don't know what it is, that's your assignment this week. Find out what Snapchat is and sign up for a Snapchat account. And you're saying, well, preacher, why do this? Because guess what? That's how your kids are talking to each other today. You thought it was Facebook. No, Facebook is for grandparents now. <laughs> right? Because my grandma and grandpa are on Facebook. And then you thought it was Instagram. No, no, that's for people my age, right? And then you thought it was Twitter. No, 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 that's for teenagers, right? What the millennial, the young kids are on is Snapchat. And if you don't know what it is, go find out and sign up for it. And this here is what I want you to do. Ooh, kids, you're going to be mad at me. Parents, friend your children. No! Friend your children. So I'm all in Alayla's business all day long. So when she posts something, I'm like, hey! Right? All in her business, right? 
So I know exactly what she's doing and what she's talking about. And I'm staying engaged with her. And sometimes she'll post stuff that I'm just so proud about. I'm like, wow, right? So get on there, friend your children, see what they're talking about, what they're doing. And the kids this morning, I'm seeing your faces. I know, I know. Remember the first time my mom got on Facebook and she started following me. I was like, oh, I got to watch what I do now, right? I, I get it. I get it. But parents get on there and do that. Why? Because we're in the business of mentoring and making sure our young people are growing up in the Lord. So this morning, that's, that's, your, that's your mission, right? Young people, be an example this week. Go against the norm. Seniors, encourage a young person today. And parents, sign up for Snapchat. So as we close this morning, we've got a song of imitation selected. I just want to impress upon you today that the development of our young people should be on the top priority list of our church. Has to be. We've got to take this seriously if the church is going to continue on. And I want to thank everyone who served so hard, so diligently to try to make this thing happen. So we've got a song of imitation selected. If there is anyone here this morning with a need, Maybe you want to put Christ on in baptism. Maybe you need to come forward and pray for prayer because maybe you've been neglecting this area in your life, right? Whatever your needs or concerns are, we've got a song of invitation selected. You can walk down the front. Some of our elders will be here on the front. If you don't feel comfortable walking down the front, you can go to the back, and some of our elders and their wives will be back there ready to pray with you and to encourage you. So whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation?